From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Ilya Meritz, in this week for Charlie Herman. What's generally happened in the past to economic growth when we've raised tariffs? I have to start by saying that, you know, I'm really firmly committed to staying in our lane. And, you know, our lane is the economy. This week, Jerome Powell, the new chairman of the Federal Reserve, appeared before Congress. You might have missed it because of, you know, Trump's meeting with Putin in Helsinki. Back in Washington, lawmakers wanted to know what America's top central banker thinks about Trump's steadily escalating trade war. Since January of this year, Trump has imposed, or threatened to impose, tariffs on 10,000 different products we import from Mexico, Canada, Europe, and China. Those places are retaliating with tariffs of their own. Powell told Congress, hey, trade is not my area of responsibility. Monetary policy is what the Fed does. But since you ask, in general, countries that have remained open to trade that haven't erected barriers, including tariffs, have grown faster. They've had higher incomes, higher productivity. And countries that have gone in a more protectionist direction have done worse. I think that's the empirical result. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find an economist anywhere who thinks barriers to trade are generally good policy. Powell, by the way, is not a PhD economist. The New York Times' Neil Irwin has been tracking America's growing protectionism and how the Fed is preparing for it. And he joins us now by Skype. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. So... Donald Trump's sharp break with decades of U.S. foreign policy on Russia dominated the news cycle this week. How sharp is his turn on trade policy that we've seen unfolding all this year? Uh, It's extremely sharp. You know, there have been trade battles and skirmishes in the past uh, with George W. Bush that was on steel tariffs. Barack Obama had something on tires. Uh, It's not that there have never been trade disputes and trade skirmishes in the past. What's new is this idea of kind of abandoning the entire idea of of these deep alliances with trading partners and essentially threatening or even waging a trade war with all of our major trading partners at the same time. And that's that's really what's new about the the Trump approach. Uh, His bet is that that can lead to better trade deals. So far, it's just led to a bunch of uh, chaos in global markets. Right. And most economists would say freer trade is a good thing and we should move in that direction. Is it possible, though, that Trump's tariffs could do some good if he treats them more like a negotiating tactic rather than some kind of long-term policy goal? Well, that's what the White House will tell you, that that's the idea, that this is a temporary thing. This is a, a way to, to gain leverage and force these other countries to sign better deals, make better agreements with the United States. I think the challenge is that they have not had a very effective negotiating strategy in terms of having very clear and concrete requests that they're negotiating for. It's not clear how some of this stuff ends. So with China, for example, uh, the, the administration's requests are so big, it's basically asking China to restructure their entire economy, which they're not going to do. So I think the, the question is, how do we get from here to there? How do we get from this point of these initial tariffs to the point that we have these better deals that the president keeps promising? So Fed Chairman Jerome Powell told Congress this week, please don't ask me about trade. I don't control it. But he is going to have to deal with the consequences if there really is a trade war. And if it gets more serious, consumer prices could go up, employers could start laying people off. The Fed's main tool is controlling interest rates or the cost of borrowing. How effective is that particular tool when you're in a trade war? Uh, not very. In the in the last 10 years, as we had the financial crisis, the slow recovery, uh, the Federal Reserve's tools were actually fairly well suited to that. They were able to stabilize the financial system with all the financial rescue actions, and then they were able to try and boost aggregate demand through cutting interest rates and quantitative easing and some other things. You know, you can debate the efficacy and whether they should have done the things they did, but that's the tools they had. Those are the tools they used. In a trade war, the problem is it's both bad for the supply side of the economy 
and bad for inflation. So if this keeps escalating the way it has been, the Fed could face a situation where it has both lower growth and higher inflation at the same time. The Federal Reserve doesn't have an answer for that. That's not something their tools are made to solve. And I should probably say, right now, the economy appears to be extraordinarily good. Unemployment is low. Inflation is on target. In fact, Powell said to prevent too much growth too fast, the Fed is probably going to raise interest rates twice more this year. On Thursday, President Trump reacted. I put a very good man in the Fed. I don't necessarily agree with it because he's raising interest rates. I'm not saying that I agree with it, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I must tell you, I don't. So here's a sitting president criticizing his own Fed chair, whom he only just appointed. What do you make of this, both on the substance and the appearance? You know, look, this is a president who's abandoned a lot of norms and abandoned a lot of kind of the way things work. uh, And this is very much one of them. I think the question is, does it become more than just words? Does the president actually do anything if the Fed keeps raising rates, which it looks like it probably will? Does the Fed try and, you know, stuff the the Federal Reserve Board of Governors with new appointments? Does he try and uh, really apply political pressure on Jay Powell and the rest of the, the Board of Governors to get his way? So far, it's just talk. He was saying nice things about Jay Powell, the chairman. But uh, if that changes, the the entire idea of an independent central bank is really in question in the United States. You know, there's two other recent Trump statements that I want to ask you about. He criticized the EU this week over the $5 billion fine it gave to Google for anti-competitive behavior. He also, last week during his European visit, called the trading bloc a foe in the trade arena. I just wonder how we're supposed to read these comments from an American chief executive. My guess is other central bankers and economic policymakers and heads of state are really not used to hearing this kind of talk. For really 80 years, the United States has been this beacon of solidity in the global financial system, the global economic system. We were the rock. Uh, We were the force for kind of stable, predictable policy worldwide. Other countries might be erratic, but we weren't. And that's changing right in front of our eyes. And the idea that, uh, you know, if you're in Europe and uh, you no longer think of the United States as this reliable partner, that's just a sea change in the global financial system. You've already seen, you know, the idea of Germany kind of sidling up to China, developing that relationship more. There's a trade deal going on between uh, Japan and the EU. And part of that is driven by these other countries saying, well, you know, maybe the U.S. isn't the center of the economic world anymore. Maybe we should be finding other allies and uh, preparing ourselves for an era in which the United States is no longer this, this leader of the global economic order. You mentioned Europe courting China and also Japan. They signed a big trade deal this week with Japan. Does that signal that the world is perhaps not moving in just one direction, protectionism, but also in the other direction towards freer trade? I think that's a great point. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, these other countries really are viewing the Trump administration as an erratic player that is kind of doing its own thing. But for now, the rest of the world is kind of going about its business and uh, treating the U.S. like kind of an outlier. Neil Irwin is senior economics correspondent for The New York Times. Look for him in the Upshot section. He's also the author of The Alchemists, Three Central Bankers, and A World on Fire. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Ilya Meritz, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. WNYC.